Morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Happy Thanksgiving week. What'd you say, Greg? Thank you. I'm glad somebody said that to me. I was kind of feeling lonely here for a minute. Everybody's feeling a little awkward. Hey, I got a cool story uh, that I didn't know. If you were here last week and I told that story about Chris, it was Chris's birthday. Like two days later, we had so much fun around that story on his birthday. I didn't know it was his birthday. But anyway, yeah, he said, I knew you were hiding that for a certain day. Uh, And uh, I said, well, I wish I could have told you that I did it because it was your birthday, but I didn't know it was your birthday coming up. But anyway, it is, it is. That's that's what Claire thinks. Anyway, um, if you could, uh, if you have your Bible, you can open it to Matthew 25. We're continuing on in our uh, Common Project series, and I want to talk to you about it uh, this morning. Anyway, um, and as we go into Thanksgiving, I was just really blessed taking communion today, as I am every time we take communion, but just the thought of breaking bread, being around the Lord's table, entering into Thanksgiving, and just taking a moment. Uh, what a great way to start our week, right? Um, So anyway, if you have your Bibles, you can uh, pull that out. If you have your uh, phone, you can check this out, or we'll just read this together. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Familiar story again, uh, as last week's was um, for a lot of us, but I want to run at it a certain way. Anyway, Matthew 25, why don't we stand as I read the scripture? Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Can you say ability? Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, I'm sorry, go to the next slide. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your bag of gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I've not sown, gathered where I have not scattered seed. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, 
and they will have an abundance, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So, Father, I pray that the scripture would really come alive for us on this day. Thank you that your word is living, it's active, that just by the reading of scripture, there's something happening in all of us. We're so grateful for that. So we pray you would have your way with your word. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Um, Obviously, the scripture certainly talks about money, but I think it's a lot more broad than that. Um, And there's so much in any scripture, there's so much, and there's so much in this scripture. Um, But I love the beginning of this scripture where Jesus, he starts out this portion, this parable, he just says, again, it is like. And Jesus makes that comment uh, several times through scripture. Um, Again, it, like this it, like what is it? Um, The word it, uh, some folks that do research on this say, shows up over 15,000 times in scripture. But what does it mean in this, in this parable? Um, I think there's two primary things, um, because you could call it, some people call this the parable of talents. If you read certain versions, it talks about talents, not bags of gold. Uh, the NIV refers to this as the parable of the bags of gold. Um, you know, there's, there's different things that it's labeled. I would label it at one level the parable, and this is what I want to talk to you about, the parable of it. I think there's some it's that show up in this parable. Um, so what is it and what should I do with it? Um, I think that it in this parable represents two things. It clearly represents the, represents the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is it. So Jesus is referring to the kingdom of God. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And then he says, and again, it is like... And he starts to describe, essentially, the kingdom of God. I believe Jesus is also speaking about it as being you, your life and mine. Again, your life is like that Jesus, at at the same time, talks about multiple things. Certainly, primary is the kingdom, but I think secondarily and very importantly, again, it. Again, your life, Neil's life, Claire's life, Jesse's life, our life is like and those are the three things I want to talk to you about. It breaks down, I think, three primary ways in this scripture. Uh, and this is how we can respond to it. First of all, uh, when it comes to our life, I think the instruction clearly in this scripture is to seize it. To seize our life. Secondly, I think that it tells us, it just speaks to opportunity. The second thing that the scripture clearly tells us about these three folks that get, this, in this, uh, get these bags of gold is to bring it. In other words, there to bring it is this responsibility that you and I have to develop and to invest and to bring increase on whatever we're given. Everybody's given a unique amount. The ability word that shows up here in the scripture has to do with more than our money, although our money is part of it. Our resources, it's our life, right? So we are called to bring increase to our life, you and I. And then thirdly, to risk it. That the third guy that, that shows up and just brings back the same thing he was given in the first place, the biggest issue is no risk. The truth about all of us is we all long to be brave. We all long to be courageous. And I want to talk to you about that for a minute and what that looks like for all of us. And that God is with us in our invitation for bravery. The first thing is to seize our life. It's about uh, opportunity, right? This is 
the parable of opportunity. The three people that Jesus talks about, they get different, different amounts, different uh, uh, abilities. There's different, we all know that we're all unique. We look at one another. We know we have different measures given to each one of us. But those abilities and what is released into our life primarily represents opportunity. We all have been given opportunity. On this day, you and I have an opportunity to live into our life fully. Each one of us, if this scripture doesn't say anything else, it speaks to, when it talks about master and servant, for instance, that language is pretty hard. Some people get, have a real problem because they say, well, Jesus isn't like that with us. At one point, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants or slaves. I call you friends, right? Jesus intentionally uses this kind of language so that, first of all, we would know that, listen, none of us, none of us, uh, none of us, uh, our opportunities are not something that we were born into the world that we had to have been given. God gives us opportunity, right? So the language is not an accident. It's like the, the servant-master language is the master, and that culture really understood it. The master is giving these servants opportunities that the master didn't need to give. So we're all born with opportunity on this day. Opportunity knocks. It's knocking today. And we need to answer the door. So this is about that. It's about seizing the day that we're given. Leonard Ravenhill, one of my favorite quotes on opportunity, he says this. He says, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of an opportunity. Your life is an opportunity my life is an opportunity. Whatever is going on now, let's check out this clip. It's a rather unfortunate name. Mr. Pitts. <laughs> Where are you? Mr. Pitts, will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. the versions to make much of time? Yes, that's the one. Somewhat appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That's cease the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding! Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. 
They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat> Make your life extraordinary. Whether we're a five-talent five person, a two-talent person, or a one-talent person, we know this. We know that we have one run at this. You and I have one run at this life. We are all in the midst of our marathon. We are all in the midst of our one run at the opportunity that is called our life that God has given to us. See, the truth about opportunity is we tend to overestimate what we could do with the opportunities we don't have, but we tend to underestimate what we could do with the opportunities we do have. More simply put, it's the grass seems to be greener. Like, if I had that job, things would be different for me. If I had that much money, as much money as that other person, you know, the five bags of gold person, then my life would be different. If I had that opportunity, I could live in. Of course I could live into it. So the opportunities that I don't have, I tend to overestimate what I would do with those things because those people are in the midst of working hard on their opportunity, right? If I were in that neighborhood, if I had that spouse, if I didn't have this spouse, if I had that family or that opportunity, if I had that kind of health or those children or those parents or that education or those resources or those looks or that personality, of course I would be living fully into the opportunity. Clearly in this scripture, what it tells us is we have have an opportunity that has been given to us. We're to rejoice in that opportunity and to live fully into it, which brings us to the next thing, and that is to bring it, to bring our life, this one very life. The scripture clearly says that Jesus, what he says here, is just bring some kind of increase, risk some things, invest in your life, develop yourself, take the treasure of your life, the opportunity of your life, and make something profound out of it. Do what I've created you to do. Become what I've created you to become. Develop and increase. Bring your best. Bring it. Seize it and then bring it. Live an excellent life. Not a perfect life, an excellent life. See, I don't necessarily have to be the best, 
but I can bring the best I can bring. You don't have to be the best. I always kind of get a, joke, a, a chuckle out of uh, people when they'll say, you know, uh, like how many, how many parents, they might not be saying this right now, but how many parents say, you know, my child could be the president? It's like, you know, there can only be one president at a time. And honestly, I don't know how many parents really want their kid to be president anymore anyway, but, but it's like, no, not everybody is created to be the president. Not everybody is created to be certain things, but we are created to be something. And it's our responsibility to grow the ability that's been given to us. See, it's interesting because in some versions, the scripture, it says, uh, Jesus, when he talks about the master and the servant, he says, enter into my partnership. When he gives the increase, when he acknowledges the increase, he says, well done, enter into partnership with me. It reminds me of this farmer, Farmer Brown. He shows up in this city or this town, and uh, he heard about this farm, this uh, huge farm, but it had been uh, just sitting, just kind of desolate for several years, and was run down. Nobody had done anything to it. It was abandoned. So he bought the farm. Not that kind of buying the farm. I mean, he purchased the farm. And so uh, after he's, he just throws himself into fixing this thing up and developing it, after a few years, the local pastor shows up like pastors do, shows up and the pastor's like walking around and uh, he's kind of shaking his head, you know, seeing all of the improvements and like giving his acknowledgement of approval. And he pulls Farmer Brown aside and he says, you know, Farmer Brown, he says, I've got to give it to you. He says, you and God have done a pretty spectacular job here. Farmer Brown looks at him. He says, well, thank you, Reverend. He says, I got to tell you, though, he says, you should have seen the place when it was just God's. (laughs) We are called into a partnership to take our life and partner it with the dream that God has for us. God gives the talents. He gives the ability, but don't miss the fact that when, see, because I've done this before. I've read this scripture and it says, according to your ability, I'm like, I'm just a two-talent guy, you know, or I'm a one, some of you would say, no, you're a one-talent guy. Whatever you think, I'm just that, right? And, and then we can begin to take that in and say, this is like the one-talent person did. I'm a one-talent person. And all along, God is looking for increase in our life and development and growing and, and increasing in our faith. And it's easy. It's like, well, of course, you know, f- for me, it's like it's easy for me to say, well, I'm a two-talent kind of pastor. And, of course, you know, uh, those churches are, are seemingly doing fantastic and yeah, that pastor, they have different opportunities. It's just, you know, that's a five-talent pastor. I'm a two-talent pastor. I'm a two-talent dad, two-talent husband. All along, God looking for increase, knowing that we can be trained, we can be mentored, we can grow, go further, grow in our faith. We can do things like comb our hair and brush our teeth. We can be better people, read a book. Be more generous, increase our life, be healthier. We can pitch in, we can be more kind, more disciplined, be on time. See, there are no shortcuts to that development. It is after a period that return comes. So sometimes we could be too hard on ourselves, think that this whole equation changes overnight, but it does change overnight, but it takes many overnights to change. 
in this process, God does something amazing. Theodore Roosevelt put it this way. He said, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The, critic belo- the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least they fail daring greatly, so that his or her place shall never be with these cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. You and I, no matter where we're at in our marathon of life, are called to bring increase to the life we've been given, the opportunity. How's that going for you? What are you being invited to? What area is God asking you to develop more? Which leads to this last thing. In the message version, which is simply to risk it, this issue of being brave with our life, to take risks and be courageous. In the message version, verse 24 through 29 says it this way. It says, the servant of 1,000 instead of one. 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways. You demand the best and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid that I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place, secured your money. Here it is, it's safe and it's sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done was been to, would have been to invest the sum with bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Now listen, he says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risked, everybody say risk, the most and get rid of the play it safe who won't go out on a limb. We need to, no matter where we are at, there are invitations to go out on the limb. There are always invitations for faith. There's always invitations for risk. We all love it deep inside of all of us. We yearn to be brave and to be courageous. We watch movies that we admire the storyline of the brave person or people in the movie. Our favorite people in history are those people that did the courageous thing, no matter how hard it was. We long for heroes in our life to be able to look at and say, they were not afraid to take a risk. The truth is about every one of us, and Jesus knows it, is we love and admire courage and bravery. That is primarily or one of the main reasons we love Jesus. So courageous on our behalf, so brave on our behalf. We read books about it. We long to live with courage, to trust God, and to take risks. When the movie, the... the um, when the movie was put together, uh, The Greatest Showman, 
um, it's interesting because there's always backstories to these things. But at one point, what happens when a movie's being put together is they have they have to workshop it, is what's called. And it and it's the moment when like the investors are there, the story's kind of put together, and uh, the studio is there, the executives are there, the people that are really going to invest the money and kind of make this thing run. Uh, they bring the actors in or certain parts of the show and they have to workshop it. They have to kind of go through a part of the story so that the executives can make a decision of, nope, we're, we're red lighting this or we're green lighting. There's a lot of work that's already gone into it, but it's at this point, it's the decisive point in the movie. So in the movie, The Greatest Showman, there's this story of Kiala, uh, uh, I forget her last name, I'm sorry. Kiala Settle. Kiala Settle, and she says that uh, her song is like the centerpiece of the movie. And she says, I was really, she, she had never, they had not sung this song publicly. They're about to sing it in front, in New York City, in front of all of these executives and such. And she's really apprehensive. And she's, she knows she's being invited to a moment of courage where she would stand out and she comes to this moment and check out what happens in this movie because it's either going to happen or not. And everybody in the room, except for the people that have been rehearsing, have never seen this before. And they're counting on her to bring the musicians and the singers and the room together and this is the moment they make the decision. Check it out. Wow. <laughs> this was a big risk I was taking. <laughs> I was so happy with this clip. My apologies. I'm sure it's my fault. It's, it, if you don't have it, you don't have it, Ron. Okay. So anyway, check it out when you get home. Tell them where to look it up. Where can they look it up? Well, I got it off of... Uh, I, we'll, put it, we'll put it online. I am, I'm really sorry. Yeah, so anyway, what, what happens in the clip, and when you see this, this is, what's, this is what happens. So, she, yeah, that would help. <laughs> I probably would deserve that right now. Anyway, so what happens is, and, and if you've seen the movie, you'll, you'll uh, be very aware. It's, it's kind of the centerpiece song of what is a musical. Anyway... She talks about not wanting to get away from the music stand, which is actually in the clip, because she's very confident in her singing ability, but she's really withdrawn, and she knows it's a moment of bravery. And the director says to her, he says, listen, you need to step out at some point from behind that music stand and step into the ring. And he said, because this is your moment. And this is how our lives are. And we're all looking and waiting for each other to be brave and courageous. And it is powerful. At a certain point in the song, she steps out from behind the music stand and the room ignites. Like you can see all of the, all of the musicians, all of the singers. You see a couple of the actors like 
They just, they come alive. And then, of course, the executives and the folks from the theater, from the, the um, studio, they are, by the end of it, they're all, like, singing it. They are, like, dancing around. It's, it's powerful. It's a beautiful moment. But that's what happens with all of us is we're all thinking that our bravery and our courage isn't going to be significant, but the truth of the matter is, guys, is it is so significant. All of us have been courageous in some way or another, and certainly all of us have experienced bravery and courage. And when it happens, when it happens, when a Martin Luther King Jr. stands at a podium in Washington, D.C., and begins to bravely and courageously proclaim prophetically over the country, we all ignite over those kinds of things. So what, what can happen to us is we can think, well, I'm not Martin Luther King Jr. I'm not Abraham Lincoln. I'm not Esther going before the king in the Old Testament. But you are you. And we're all called to these moments of bravery Gary Haugen, the founder and CEO of International Justice Mission, one of really the brave heroes of today, he says this. He says, many Christians are so busy defending their own end zone, they have forgotten the, the joy of scoring touchdowns. We fret over what might happen to our stuff, our reputation, our standing, our children, our ideology, and our investments. And in the process, we forget that we have these things so that we can live fully for Christ. All things we value were never meant to be safeguarded. They were meant to be put at risk and invested and spent. For we are in a life and death battle. We count on one another's courage. We count on it in our families. We count on it in our churches. We count on it in the community. So what is it today that God might be saying and inviting you to step up and be bold enough to be courageous? What's the invitation? I want to leave you with this one question for the week. And the question is simply this. Am I being brave or am I being safe? Let's stand. Am I being brave or am I being safe? So God, we're grateful that um, we're getting a challenge from heaven. Pray for courage all over this room. That with every opportunity, that we'd walk with you and trust in you. And we remember that greater is the God who is in us than all that is in the world. I bless my friends. I pray that they would breathe deep this week and remember whose they are. That they'd remember that you have made us the kind of people 
that can bring it. And that we'd actually look for opportunities in the boardroom, at the Thanksgiving dinner table, in our homes, that we would bring it, we would bring courage. And so we thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I bless my friends in the name of the one who makes us brave. In Jesus' name. Have an awesome week, everybody. Love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Tell somebody happy Thanksgiving. Invite somebody to your house this week that you know might not have a table to sit at. Be brave.